get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Lord's Day that you have given us to, to come to, to, to your house and, and gather with, with your church. We ask you, Lord, that you give us of your blessing, that we may understand your word, that, that your Holy Spirit may guide us and illuminate your word to us, that we may see Jesus Christ revealed in, the, in each of these pages of scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning. We ask the Lord for your blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, just, a, just a quick recap from the last couple of weeks. So, Paul is on his way to Rome. He's still a prisoner of uh, Governor Festus, and he's on his way to make the case before Caesar. Remember that he says, uh, uh, he was told, like, okay, you appeal to, to Caesar, and to, and to Caesar you shall go. So, now he's on the, they're on the ship, and they're going all the way to Rome, but as probably you know, uh, is when he gets in the middle of the shipwreck. And it's not the first time he gets in, the sh- in, in a shipwreck. I think this is the third or four, fourth time that that happens to him. But uh, in, uh, and it almost Im- immediately, in verse 4, he starts getting, getting complications. And in verse, in verse 9, it's when Paul warns him about the storm. And in verse 12, to, to the rest, I mean, everything comes to chaos. But uh, let's read... Uh, Verse 1, it says, And it was decided that we, that we should sail for Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan, Augustan cohort named Julius. So it says that it was decided. And, and I think Luke, I mean, he, he, he has in mind that it was decided by, by Festus that Paul should go to Rome. But as we know, and, and as Luke uh, knew, is that all of these things that are going to take place, they were way, decided way before all of these people were in, were in, 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 the, in place. The, it was determined by God that Paul was going to take the, the taken prisoner and take him all the way to Rome. And, and, we, and we know that because in chapter 23, verse 11, it says, Jesus Christ himself tells Paul, hey, take courage, for, you as, uh, for as you testify to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So it was already predetermined. And then it says that it was, uh, Paul is placed under, under um, the custody of a man, a man named Julius. So he's a centurion. He's, I mean, centurions have like a hundred soldiers on, on, their, on their, 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 their leadership. But it says that it's a cohort. It's an Augustan cohort. So a cohort is just a, a regiment, a band. So typically those were actually like 300 to 400 soldiers. And I think that Julius actually, he was not, a, I mean, it was not his job, his day-to-day job to take prisoners. It seems, because I guess I go it seems that it was kind of more like a de- detail for, it was an imperial regiment. So you kind of like a, like a, kind of like a secret service. So they were working for, for, the, for the emperor himself. So uh, it's, um, it's kind of interesting uh, why Julius is, is in, in, in here. But um, I mean, I think that's what, what we need to know here. It's a uh, Augustan cohort, imperial troops, and here they're, they're in charge of taking prisoners all, uh, all the way to Rome. But um, verse two says, and embarking in a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. So this, uh, this ship was designed to travel all along the coast. It wasn't supposed to, to go into the deep of the ocean. And as we will see, that, that's what happened. So that, uh, it, it didn't go along the coast it was supposed to be. But... Uh, and I think here is very likely that Paul was uh, with some dangerous criminal because uh, they were also in, on their way to make their case before Caesar. Uh, and remember that the reason uh, Paul had to appeal to Caesar is because Paul was accused of many serious charges. Uh, uh, that's in chapter 25. 
and it's serious charges. So it is, I mean, I think it's likely that those other prisoners were also uh, charged of this same type of, uh, of, uh, of charges. And I mean, it was, after it was Caesar, I mean, I mean he had to uh, only listen to major, major cases. So I think, I want to think that there were some uh, serious uh, folks in there with, with, with Paul on the ship. And then Aristarchus. So the first time I read it, I was like, okay, Aristarchus. It kind of sounds familiar, but it took me a while, and I had to go look it up. But who, who knows who, who Aristarchus is? Anybody? Because I'll, I'll tell Andrew to give you like a bookmark or something to get it right. So Aristarchus was actually in the riots in, uh, at Ephesus. Remember when the people are chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So Aristarchus was there. And he's actually mentioned in a, in a couple other times in, a, in the New Testament, in some of the letters of Paul. But so Aristarchus is there, Luke is there, Paul is there. So, so you have all the soldiers, all of the sailors, the criminals, and at least that we know of, three godly people in there. Verse 3 says, uh, The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and to be cared for. So I, I think this, I, I find it interesting because it says that Julius treated Paul kindly. Uh, so Felix had commanded Julius to, gi to give Paul liberty. That's what we know from uh, chapter 20, 24, verse 23. But in here, I think it's, it's uh, Luke makes more emphasis that it was also, he, Paul was not almost only given liberty because Julius also treated him kindly. So uh, and I, when I was reading it, it kind of reminded me of, of at least a couple of people maybe. I'm going to ask you, who, who else do you remember that found favor before his captives, his captors? It's in Genesis. Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. He, was, he, he found favor. And he was in prison and he found favor. So Paul, uh, Paul does too. And then Daniel kind of uh, he, he did too. I mean, he, on, on when he was taken uh, to Babylon, he and uh, his friends, he, they found favor. So we, we kind of see the same pattern here. Um, Verse 4, and putting out to sea from there, we sail under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Okay, so I don't, um, if you remember, there were a couple of things, if not a few things, that, but there's one in particular we've been kind of carrying along for the past few chapters. And Brandon mentioned it, and Dennis mentioned it last Sunday, but who remembers one of, the, one of the, those particular themes that we find in, in these chapters we've been reading about? Yes, one, one in particular. Maybe providence. So I think from here we start seeing God's providence, providence being displayed. It says that they were they sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. So Cy Cyprus is an is an island, and I probably you have it in the back of, of your Bibles. But it's, it's an island in, in the Mediterranean. Over here you have uh, the whole Judean area, North Africa over here, but over here it's uh, it's Cyprus. So typically, what they, were, they would do, they would just go straight uh, from the from the Mediterranean area to, uh, to, to, the, to the other side. But because of the time of the year, they were, the winds from the west didn't let them do that. So they had to go all the way around. So they were diverted of their original course. And I, I think, I mean, th I mean, this is God in display, just taking them to, to the, from, from this route, making them know, I mean, God is the one who controls the winds, and, he, and here we start seeing that. Um, verse 5, 
And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia. So here, you pretty much, we just learn about the provinces they passed by, again, again, providentially. The ship goes basically up the Syrian coast, around Cyprus, and, and like I said, instead of going on the west, they just, they just they have to go around all the way to Myra. And, well, let's read verse 6. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. So Myra actually, it's, it, was, it, was a, um, it was a main port for the trade of grain. So that's why you have Alexandria and, and Rome. So they have to make the stop there. But then verse 7 says, We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty of Nidus, I don't know. And as the, as, the, as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete of Salmon. So same thing here. We, we, we see how the wind, the, the, the storm, it, it starts to com complicate things for, for them. And in verse 8, um, pretty much the same thing. Coasting along with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. So the exact location of, of, this, uh, of Fair Havens, is, it's not really known. It, I mean, it's somewhere in the, in the, in the southern coast of the, the island of Crete, but the exact pinpoint, I mean, at, at least for what most scholars said, I mean, they, 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 they don't know the exact location, but it's somewhere in the southern coast of, of the island, which, I mean, it's not that big. Um, verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, uh, Paul advised so it says it was already dangerous, but the, the, the fast, so, so he, Luke mentions here the fast, and it refers to the day of atonement. It's the, it's the only, uh, uh, the only uh, one of the, of the Jews' annual of servants that requires fasting, and it occur, occurs in, in the fall when the weather in the Mediterranean gets uh, unpredictable. So here Luke is telling us, okay, it's, it's, get, it's getting bad, and, and even the fast already passed. I mean, it's this time of the year. I mean, we shouldn't be here. So this is pretty much what, Paul, uh, what, Paul, uh, what Luke is saying here. Uh, and so Paul advised him, uh, verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. So Paul here says perceive, and, and I, I was reading Matthew Paul, uh, I pretty much, uh, I love Matthew Poole and Matthew Henry, both, both Matthews are great. But Matthew Poole, I mean, uh, he, I mean, he's great. In, in, I think it was Matthew Poole. But in here, it, it, he said that, um, that Paul was speaking prophetically. Now, um, I mean, that, it may be just me, but I don't think that that's, uh, it's prophetically here, because it says perceive. I think Paul is just speaking more based on experience. I mean, it's not the first time it happened to him. I mean, you, I mean, you can see it. You can see the sky. You can see the waves. You can see the, the experienced sailors already having trouble with kind of things. So I think Paul here is, is, is speaking based on experience and not really on, on divine revelation. Later, later on, we'll, we'll see him speaking prophetically. But it says, well, also our lives. So it's, what, what, what Paul is saying here is that it is, this trip is going to be so horrible, so bad, that it's going to take a miracle of the mercy of God for our lives to be spared. So uh, that's what Paul is saying here. And, but, and here we, in this verse, we also see the, another theme besides uh, providence. We see sovereignty. Because up to this point, uh, we've seen, uh, we seen God's providence, providence being displayed that brought him all the way to this point. Uh, and we, we'll continue to see that, but we, we're going to see God's, God's sovereignty. Because notice that aboard the ship, there are, again, criminals, pagans, and at least three godly people that we know of. 
And all of these three groups, they suffered the same thing. And it's kind of curious. I mean, things didn't go great for Paul, Luke, and Aristarchus. I mean, they were part of the ship. So the same thing that they experienced, uh, the wicked, pagan people who didn't recognize God, who hated God, they were, suffered the, they were suffering the same thing. So that's kind of something to keep in, in our minds as we just walk this life and we, we, proclaim, we proclaim Christ. Sometimes, I mean, the economy, the the condition uh, of our country, I mean, we're going to suffer the same thing. And it doesn't mean that God is not in control. Verse 11 says, But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. I mean, Judas ignores Paul and ignores the professional. I mean, I don't really blame him, but I mean, still, he should listen to Paul. Verse 12 says, And because the harbor was not suitable to spend... Okay, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to read a, a few verses here. Uh, actually, who wants to read uh, verses 12 through 20? I'll take it. There you go. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out for sea from there. And on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Pada, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's building. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, Fearing that they would run aground <coughs> on the Syrtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last. Okay, so, yeah, I'm going to save comments on those verses because I really want to touch on the shipwreck and spend some time there and hopefully maybe uh, uh, open it up some some questions because it's, it's, it's a great uh, section. But uh, here, so I want to bring attention to verse 20 that Ronnie was reading. It says, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And then it says, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. So... And here they have no stars to guide them, no, not even the sun to kind of cheer them up, kind of saying, okay, it's going to be okay. It's, it's all gloom and, and darkness. I mean, they see the winds, and it says that all hope was abandoned. I mean, there's, no, there's not even the, the, the eye of reason or just any maybe sort of natural causes that might, might get them out of, out, of, out of here. All hope was abandoned. They, 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 and and this, again, these are, these are experienced sailors. And they are trained Roman soldiers to deal with stressful situations like this. And, uh, I mean, the, you have the hardcore criminals. So, and all of them. And says, and I think it's possible that even Paul, so, uh, Paul uh, Luke, and uh, Aristarchus, I mean, they were kind of feeling the same thing. I mean, we, we think of Paul as a super apostle, which he was. But he, I mean, he also had to deal with, with his flesh. In Romans 7, we read that. I mean, the, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, that's the things that I do. So it is possible that 
even Paul was feeling the same thing. And I think it is because we're going to, here in the, in the, in the next uh, couple of verses, we're going to see that. Uh, verse 21 says, since, yeah, since they have been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them, saying, Man, you should have listened to me and not have set sail for, from uh, Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I mean, here you have the pastoral uh, advice of Paul. You should, I told you so. <laughs> then verse 22 says, yet, I, yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God whom, whom, uh, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And, I mean, just a, a few things on... On, on this on, on these two uh, verses it says the God to whom I belong and whom I worship I mean I think it's an amazing way kind of uh, if you're talking to someone who's lost and you're, you God is mentioned God is mentioned it, it brought to the conversation and you, you see kind of Paul just how uh, all the love that he had for the Lord he says the, the God to whom I belong and whom I worship he's not that God told me. It's the God whom I, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And I want to read three, three uh, other verses kind of uh, reminded me of, uh, of this statement that Paul makes here. It's Psalm uh, 100, verse 3. It says, Not that the Lord, uh, that Yahweh, He is God. It is He who made us, uh, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Romans 14, 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. First uh, Corinthians 6, uh, 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your, in your body. And, I mean, this is the reality of who we are. We, we have been bought by, uh, with a price. We belong to the Lord. We are slaves of God, and He is our, he's our master. And so, I mean, this is one of the I, 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 kind of like the threads that I mentioned at the beginning. If you want to poke on that one, I mean, you you, you have for a nice time, of, uh, a nice devotional time there. It says, but then it says, you must stand before Caesar. So here, and this is what I what I think that Paul maybe was probably feeling the same sense of uh, uh, hopelessness. Paul here is reassured of the promise that the Lord Jesus Himself made to him in in, in verse. Um, in chapter 23, verse 11, where it says, uh, as you also testify for, uh, for me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in, in Rome. So, like I said, I mean, I think Paul, I mean, he was seeing the circumstances. He was seeing the wind, the, the, the waves, the storm, the experience. Sailors just crying like babies on the, on the, on, on, on the deck. And, and to Paul, I mean, it doesn't look like God is in control. But, um, so I think it's just... One of the reasons why he gets an angel, the, the Lord, because I mean, he had mercy on him. He, the, the Paul, he, and sometimes we, we, we need the same too. I mean, we, we lose our hope, we lose our hope of, of we can lose our, uh, get close to lose our hope of salvation with our, with our thinking or our thoughts. Then we come here on, on, on Sunday and, we, and we're refreshed, we're reassured that the promises that Christ has made to us, are, they, they will come true. And I think this is the same grace and mercy that God is uh, displaying to Paul. But, um, and then, let me see. 
Yeah, and then it says that God granted, God has granted you all those who sell with you. So in here I see two things. I mean, one is that God has decreed that everyone in the ship will live. Uh, on, on the ship will live. So I think this is the part where I think that prophecy it, it, it's it's revealing the decretive will of God or the secret will of God. Um, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says that the secret things belong to Yahweh, but the revealed things belong to us. So this is what we're prophecy is actually revealing that uh, uh, God's decree that I mean we are really unaware that we don't know why things happen. So Paul he is getting a uh, a peek of that. But then the second thing it's I think, I think we see God, uh, Paul's character, who, who he really was uh, uh, as a Christian, because I think it is implied that Paul was, was praying for the lives of the men on the ship. I mean, it says that, that, that their lives were granted to Paul. So, I mean, I don't think that it's a uh, stretch to say that Paul was actually praying for them, for, for the captors, for the, one, for the criminals who probably were making fun of him, blaspheming God, who knows what other things, I mean, murderers maybe, rapists, I don't know. So um, we see that even be, just because of Paul's intercession, mercy is extended to all of, his, all of these people. I mean, after all, Jesus said, love you, uh, pray for your enemies, love your enemies. So I don't think it's a, it's a stretch to, to say that Paul was praying for them. Um, okay, verse 25 says, So take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And this is probably my favorite verse in this whole chapter. Because to Paul, what Paul is saying here, it's, I mean, it's a down deal. It's, God has promised it, so God will do it. I mean, he's not a man that he should lie, and he's ever faithful, so he's ever faithful to his word, and he said it, he will do it. And Paul says, again, he's reassured with that promise, that, uh, of the promise that Jesus made to him, even though the circumstances, the, it's all gloom, darkness, the storm, the wind. But Paul says, for, but I have faith in God. And that's why, I mean, this is my favorite verse right here. Because, I mean, how many times we've been there that the circumstances doesn't look the way they're supposed to. And it seems that God doesn't, he, he's not in control. But, uh, and, and we'll touch on, on that in, in just a moment. But, let's read verse I'm lost, 26. It says, but we must run aground on, on some island. Um, so here again uh, he, Paul continues to speak pro- prophetically and what will, will happen and how providence will take him to an island and that's on, on, chap- on chapter 28 in the last chapter but uh, verse 27 I'm going to read a few here when the 14 nights had come as we were being driven across the, the Adriatic Sea about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther than they took a, a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the boat, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers uh, cut away. So... I guess here we see God's sovereignty, and we see uh, the necessity of of uh, secondary causes, the necessity of, of of means. So it says, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. So I mean, like, what is Paul talking about here? I mean, dude, come on! That the angel told him that that and that all will be saved. So why? 
why does it matter that they, they stay on, uh, on board the ship or not? They're all going to be saved. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? But, I mean, the, the truth is that it matters. I mean, even though God already said that everyone is going to be saved, uh, I mean, God decreed from the foundation of the world that Paul and everyone with him is going to be saved. So, I guess in our modern terms, we can say just let go and let God or face tail. But, uh, what what, what is happening here is that even as God appointed the end, he has also appointed the means for this to happen. And we continue to see that in in, in these few verses. Um, 33, verse 33. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of, any of you. And when he had said, said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, uh, broke it and began to eat. <clears throat> then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. So, I mean, same thing here. I mean, it says, I urge you to take some food. So, again, one, one can say, Paul, like, Paul, what, what does it matter? I mean, the angel told you everybody's going to be saved. What does it matter if we eat food or we don't eat food? We are going to be saved. And, but I think, I mean, just kind of notice what, what the text is kind of saying here. It says, eat food so you gain strength so you will be saved. So, the, 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 even though God already predetermined the, and decreed the end, God is using the, the, the food as means to accomplish that end. So eat food, gain strength, so you live. And it's because God is, uses, uses means. So pretty much what I'm trying to say is, is, is that it matters what we do. I mean, and we have to be careful not to fall into the trap of fatalism that uh, says that because everything has already been determined by God, it doesn't really matter what we do. I mean, there's people who say that, and, and, and unfortunately, people who, who claim to be, to, to be reformed. But, I mean, it's, it's not biblical. I mean, it's coming out of, straight out of a, a Roman and, and Greek mythology with the, with the fates and other goddesses, so it's, it's, it's not Christian. Also, I mean, it, uh, let's guard ourselves from not falling into hyper-Calvinism. What is called hyper-Calvinism, because, I mean, I think it... I mean, um, I think it's a little bit slanderous to Calvin to call it hyper-Calvinism because it has nothing to do with Calvinism. I mean, that's not what Calvin believes, not what we believe, but until we, there's another better term, uh, I guess I'll say hyper-Calvinism. But just to say, I don't like it. But so hyper-Calvinism says that God saves the elect either with, with little or no use of means so, or, or methods. So God will save you no matter if you, if you hear the word preach, no matter if there's an evangelist, no matter if someone prays for you. God will save you. So we don't need to do all those things. And again, I mean, uh, I, I don't think that's, that's the case at all. And I don't know, but uh, I haven't studied so much of the history on that, but I, I found it interesting that how the, the Reformed people were, were the ones at some point who were making all of these evangelistic efforts. And I guess something happened that it stopped being that way. And then people with the Ar- Armenian doctrine started making more of those, those efforts. So I don't know exactly what, what happened. But uh, 
we have to guard ourselves from from uh, from hyper Calvinism uh, as well because the Bible I mean talks about both God's sovereignty and man's responsibility or free or free will and we have to be careful not to overemphasize God's sovereignty and undermine man's responsibility or do the other thing around to that we underemphasize God's sovereignty which probably is even worse and overemphasize uh, man's responsibility it's 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 not like this it's it's more like this they are they are both uh, working to, together I mean, and I think we kind of elevate our intellect a little bit. I, I know I've, I've done it before. Um, just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's impossible. Okay, I, I don't understand how a plane that weights 2,000 pounds can take off into the sky and fly. I mean, I mean, to me, that's impossible. I mean, there's no way. But just because I don't understand it, just because my limitations are, I don't know, aerodynamics, <laughs> are, are low, it doesn't mean it's impossible. So same thing here. I mean, we don't understand how God, um, God's... Sovereignty can work together with man's responsibility and free will. Uh, and again, we, uh, I mean, with man's free will, I mean, you see it in every single co Reformed confession, all the way from the Canons of Door to the 1689 and the Westminster too, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's there. I mean, we have a different definition of what Armenians, uh, how Armenians define it, but it's there. You will not find a Reformed confession without uh, a, a, an assertion of man's free will and man's responsibility. In fact, and, and uh, I challenge you to find one. If you find one, I'm going to have to tell you that's not a Reformed confession because that's not what a Reformed view is. And in this group, I mean, I really don't think I have to emphasize God's sovereignty, but uh, uh, we might have to emphasize on, on man's free will. And, and like I said, I mean, it is just a distortion of, of the Reformed view and, and the Bible to deny man's responsibility. I mean, yeah, you have to believe and repent. You have to go preach the gospel. You have to go and pray for the lost. You have to do all of these things. And yes, it is God that sovereignly ordains all things who did uh, before the creation of the world. And, well, let's continue. But that's one of the threads that you can, I mean, you can poke at that one and I don't know how long it's going to take you. I mean, I think it's one of those things that it's almost impossible to understand. But both are true. So we must believe both of them. Uh, verse 39. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a, with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that, that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So, again, I mean, he kind of, the same thing, I'm not going to. Uh, touch too much on it again, but it says the it was the plan of the of the soldiers to to kill the prisoners, and Paul and and the, and the centurion basically the centurion uses his own free will. No nobody forced the centurion to stop them from killing the prisoners. It was he who made a decision. But uh, uh, again, we know who ultimately made a decision way, way before before the centurion. But um, but then here what, what I want to mention here is uh, at the. Uh, verse 43 that it says he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land verse 44 and the rest of planks or on pieces of the ship 
And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So the 276 men were, all of them, brought safely to, to land. So again, still the, the use of means, though it was God's decree. But uh, I want to spend a little, uh, just some time here, because, I mean, just look at all the things that happened. All the Wednesdays they, they, uh, they got on the ship. Again, all of these experienced sailors, all of these professionals, who it has, it's not their first storm. If you have the, the Roman soldiers, I mean, tough Roman soldiers, I mean, who were ruling the world <laughs> at, at, at that point, pretty much, and all the criminals, I mean, who, I mean, if they were the same that we have today, man, they're, they're kind of hardcore. So, but all of them, all of them lost hope. And like I said, maybe including Luke, Paul, and Aristarchus at some point. And, and again, why? Is that all of them lost hope? It's just because they were looking at their surroundings, they were looking at their situation, at their, the circumstances, and it, it doesn't look like God is in control here. I mean, then the ship is destroyed. You, 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 you just picture yourself, the, the ship is destroyed. You see one man over there hanging to the plank as hard as he can to save his life. You see another man over there that's just trying to swim, trying to stay afloat. You see the waves, how they're tossing him back and forth. He gets maybe uh, uh, just a, a, a half of a second to get to air, and again, they have another wave. Uh, you see another one just trying to put pieces together to keep, keep, keep himself afloat. And it's because, I mean, you see that, and, you, and, it, and I mean, it doesn't look like God is in control. But, but, but he was, and, and, and what is what Paul would say? It says, but I have faith in God. I, I see the, all these things, and I, I don't understand how, how could it be that God is in control, but, but I have faith in God. And then, you, I mean, you could, you could see also at your own life, you can see the, your... Um, your troubles, your problems, all of the things that you are dealing with. I mean, as soon as you haven't even been able to resolve one problem, when you get another problem coming, uh, you, you can think of, uh, I don't know, you, uh, you say, okay, my, my children, they are, they, are, they, are, they are in rebellion, they're away from the Lord, they, they hate the gospel, they are not listening. Um, you, you see like civil unrest or government, um, the, the rampant immorality in our, in our country, and, and it doesn't look like God is in control. But, I mean, be encouraged and but I have faith in God. Even, even though it doesn't look like he is, he is, because I have faith in God. You can also, I mean, you can also say the same thing about the, the church in general. You see, uh, you see all of these doctrines spread like and green all, all across the, uh, the country and across the world. You see uh, um, people who want you call brother, sister, fall into apostasy or completely rejecting the gospel. You see... Um, you see wolves uh, disguised as sheep, or even worse, as shepherds de devouring the, the, the flock. You see all of these false religions. You see the growing atheism, uh, the, the per persecution, churches being acceptable or even applauding the same revolting sins that got Sodom and Gomorrah turned to ashes. I mean, and you see all of those things. I mean, and, and what do you say? I mean, it, it doesn't look like God is in control. But I have faith in God. Even though it doesn't look like it. Even though the circumstances say otherwise, I have faith in God and I believe that, the, the, that he's building his church and the gates of hell will not, will not, will not stand against it. John in Revelation says that he, he sees Jesus Christ wearing this crown as a king and he, and he went conquering out to conquer. So the gospel is still being proclaimed. The gospel is still going forward even though it doesn't look like it. Even though there's false doctrines, there's, there's false churches. That gospel will continue to go forward, even though I don't look. I don't. It doesn't look like it, but I have faith in God. I mean, and you can say also. I mean, what about your your soul? What about the condition of your soul? 
uh, I mean, you, if you are like me, I mean, at, at, some, at some times, I mean, I think every Christian will go through it uh, uh, at least one time in their life when you, you look yourself as weak. You, you get all of these demonic thoughts put into your head. You, you are weak. You have little faith. I mean, come on, you fall into temptation. It's not going to be long after you get out of this, of, of this service uh, today that you will go again and sin. And as you look at yourself, it says, like, it doesn't look like God is in control. How are his promises going to come true? Okay, he promised me that he will sanctify me. He promised me that he will mold me into the image of Christ. He promised me that he will present me to the Father in his own righteousness. But it doesn't look like it. I look at my own life and it just doesn't look like it. But even though it doesn't look like it, I have faith in God. I have faith that He will present me as His bride, white, pure, and even though circumstances tell me otherwise, I have faith in God. And, and we have out of time. But anyway, so yeah, so I, I guess I just want to read to, the, to you guys just this first section of this hymn. It says, and you know it, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So let's pray and in, we, we can... Uh, See if you have any questions. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you have given us, for your blessings, because your promises are true. We ask you, Lord, that you strengthen us, that you give us of your Holy Spirit, who we can be encouraged, that even though we might have little faith, it is still faith, God, that you have given us as, as, a, as a gift of, of mercy, as, as your grace through through the Holy Spirit, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on, on the cross. We ask you, Lord, as we transition into, into um, corporate worship, Lord, that you bless us so we can be receptive to the word being pro- proclaimed, that we may sing with all our hearts during, during worship, that our ha- hearts can be receptive to, to your voice as we partake of the, of the Lord's Supper, that it may be... A, to our strengthening, and then today, Lord, we, we may dedicate all day long for your worship with our families, we, with our church. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we have, and we're pretty much done, but I mean, do you guys have any questions at all? Okay, what's up? Now, we're still fighting hmm. that disaster. That's true. Paul stopped that. Yeah. And then the Roman soldiers, he stopped the government authority, and that's what we're called to do also. Yeah. Be faithful. Yeah, we're commanded to do things. I mean, the Christian life is not just the, with our arms crossed. We, we have a job to do here. That's why we're here. We never know what was averted by stopping it. That's true. Yep. Yep, good comment. Anybody else? Question, comment, complaint? Complaints come to him. Anyway.